Good morning. Our reading of God's Word today comes from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is our reading for this morning. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we ask for your blessing on the word that we hear here today. Lord, help us to, to through it all, see your promises that you invite us to cling to at all times, in all places, in all circumstances. And Lord, we pray all this this morning in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, if I missed you at the very beginning, my name is Pastor Justin, and uh, you caught us on week five of a series entitled Five Ways God Helps Us Grow. And today is going to be a pretty hard message to hear. Um, the first four in this series were kind of Christianity 101 things. It was things like read your Bible, surround yourself with godly people, use your spiritual gifts, stuff like that. Today, today is a tough one. Because the fifth way that God helps us grow is through trials. And, and this is the hard truth that we have to recognize that it, in 2023, as we look at this year, one of the ways that God is going to help us grow is on purpose. He is going to put hardships into our life. That God is going to create or allow hard things to happen in your life because God says it is one of the ways that you will grow and it is good for you. And that's going to be hard to hear. But it's the reality and it's the truth. And I want to be clear of what we're talking about. When we talk about trials, people have a misconception of what that means. Trials does not mean consequences of your sin. There's a difference between those things. Some people have done something dumb or something sinful and they're facing consequences for it and they say, oh, God's giving me a trial. No, he's not. No, he's not. If you have been foolish with your money and you have been greedy with your money and you're now in financial hardships, that, that is a consequence of your sin that is not a trial. Or if you are a jerk to everyone around you and you have no friends and nobody likes you and you struggle in that way, that is not a trial. That is your sin having consequences. And we're also not talking about, we're not talking about natural things that just happen. You know, someone that sits there and says, oh, my, my mother, my 90-year-old mother just died. Um, you know, God's giving me a, a, a trial in my life. No, that, that's, she's 90. That's, that's what happens. That's not a trial. Or, or things that happen just with old age or things, you know, I had, I had this happen this week. Greg Taylor had warned me. He said, you hit 40 and this happens. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was reading something and I went, oh, hold on now. And my wife saw me and she was like, oh. And I was like, stop, I can read it. It's fine, it's fine. There, there are natural things that happen. Your health is going to decline. That's, that's not a trial. That's just a part of natural life, okay? So we're not talking about those things. And we're not talking about bad things that happen from your bad choices. 
There are some people that, that, you know, they sit there and they say, oh, my marriage is a trial from God. You know, no, it's not. This man cheated on you while you were dating and while you were engaged and he had an alcohol problem and you married him anyway and it was your bad choice and you're living out your bad choice. That's not a trial from God. When we talk about a trial from God, we are talking about something that comes from the clear blue sky, a raging storm that hits you out of nowhere for no reason and nothing you've done. We're talking about a cancer diagnosis, an emergency surgery, a, a car crash, um, an affair, a divorce, um, your kid's health, or, or a special need child, or you got fired, not because you've done something, but because the, the company's uh, imploding or has to cut you know, thousands of people, or, or an assault, or an abuse, or, or someone's untimely or shocking death. We're talking about one of those moments where you're, you're standing back and you're just like, God, where are you? I, I, I was good and you did this to me. I loved you and you did this to me. God, was I not good enough? God, did I not try hard enough? Did I not serve enough? Did I not give? Why are you doing this, God? That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And let's be clear. This is the kind of stuff that gives Christianity a bad name. Because people come and they say, they say, if God is good, then why does he let bad things happen to his people? And if God loves you, then why doesn't he protect you from those things? But the reality is this. Every single person in this room and listening online, that in 2023, a loving God is going to put trials in your life on purpose. That's coming for every single one of us. Because God knows this and he says this in his scripture that one of the greatest teachers in the classroom of life is trials. That God says you cannot mature in the faith without them. That, that he is going to put a trial, an adverse circumstance in your life and it was either allowed by him or even created by him in order to develop your faith spiritually. And so everyone in this room, we are either coming out of a trial, in a trial, or we are headed towards a trial. You cannot escape them. It is God's way of testing your faith. Because God is sitting there and he's saying, okay, I hear you say these things. I hear you say that you believe in me, that you trust in me, that I am enough, that I am greater than all things. I hear you say that. I hear you sing about that. I hear you learning about that. And God says, and through the trial, I'm gonna see if you do that because until you do it you haven't passed the test you haven't seen that faith in action and this is this is what it says in in James chapter 1 it says this count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds now i don't know about you but that sentence seems ridiculous how many of you right now are saying, I know trials are coming in 2023. I cannot wait for that joy in my life. Nobody says that. So how in the world is James saying, I count it joy that you send me trials of various kinds. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What is he talking about? You see, what James is talking about is this, that as the trials come, the only way in order to see them with joy and understand what they're doing is that you need to know something. 
In order to see it as joy, you have to know something. What is it that you have to know? That the trial is doing something for you. You are going to face the trial and the only way for you to see it as something good in your life, to see it as joy in your life, is to know God's doing something. This is not meaningless. This is not just something terrible happening and there's no purpose and there's no reason. It's just a tragedy. That God is actually doing something in this moment. It's a lot like childbirth. I've never given birth to a child. But I've watched it happen a couple times. And inevitably, in every single one of our kids' birth, there was a point when my amazing, incredible, I mean, like, seriously, I'm not, like, it's incredible what you all do to to have a baby. Um, But inevitably, at some point during that process, there was a point where she was like, this is taking too long, this hurts too bad, I I quit, and I'm like, I don't know how this works, but I don't think you're allowed to quit. Like, this is happening, like, we're doing this one way or another. And, And no matter what, she kept going in the process even though it hurt and even though it was so hard because she knew it was going to produce something she knew it was going to produce joy in her life and I'll tell you this the second they get that little baby cleaned up and laying on her chest and my wife is holding that baby and I look at her smiling and I'm like okay so are we done and she's like no let's have some more I'm like, you realize like literally 10 minutes ago, you were screaming, I can't do this anymore. And and she's like, it was worth it. It was worth it. She doesn't even remember the pain. She doesn't even remember it because she's holding the baby and it was worth it. And God says, look, the trials in your life are like that. They hurt and they're hard and you want to give up and you want to walk away and you want to quit, but they are birthing something. They are producing something. And when you get through to the other side and you see what it has produced, you will count it as joy. And so what are the things that it produces? What is it that we're to be looking forward to in the trial? Well, the first one is pretty obvious. The first thing that that it produces is God gives us trials to strengthen our faith. It's not accidental that Christians face tough circumstances. Because see, we like to believe, well, God, if I love you and I follow you and I obey you, you will be good to me, you will bless me, and all things will be good. But the reality is, is that the Christian life is faced over and over again with hardships and trials because God purposely puts them there because they're one of the major ways that he grows our faith. You see, when our circumstances are awful, we start praying, God, change my circumstances. God, fix my circumstances. God, take away my circumstances. And yet God does not do that. He allows us to go through what we go through so that we can see how good he is. What I mean by that is this. How are you ever going to know that he is healer unless you need to be healed? You can say, God, I know you're a healer. But until the day that you need to see a healing... How do you know that he is good? How do, you, how do you know that he is a miracle worker until the day that you need a miracle? How do you know that he is a provider until the day that you are down and out and you need provision? How do you know that he is a reconciler until the day that you have a broken relationship and you're saying nothing can put this back together, nothing can fix this, and he puts it back together and fixes it? How do you know that he is peace until the day that you are wrecked with depression and fear and anxiety and somehow he brings you peace? 
How do you know him as Savior until the day that you have no hope and you have lost all, all hope and he brings hope to you of what is to come? You see, the reality is, is I, I have faced trials in my life. And it's nothing I would sign up for. It was nothing I wanted. It's something I never want to happen again and I would never wish on anybody else. But I can tell you this, that in the midst of that, God did something that I don't think he could have done any other way. What it did for my faith, I'm not sure anything else could have impacted me that deep. And during it, I, I thought, God, you've abandoned me. God, I'm angry at you. But looking back at it now, I, I believe in him deeper. Now when I talk to him, it is so real and it is so authentic and it is so personal and it is so much more. It's not just some recited prayer because I have had the night where I am in the hospital lobby on my knees and I do not care who sees me sobbing and I do not care who hears me praying out loud saying, God, please help me. And because I've had that season and I've had that moment, I know that he is a God who is my helper because I'm standing here today. God says, I will allow the hardships so that you have a big, bold, unshakable faith in me to strengthen your faith. God says, I am bringing trials your way to do this. The second thing that he does when he sends us trials is that he is trying to detach us from this world. He is trying to detach us from this world. In 2 Corinthians 4, this is what Brady just read. This is what it's saying. He's saying, we do not lose heart. The outer is wasting away. He's saying, the, the world is falling apart. And you know this to be true. You watch the news and you see the shootings and the violence and the, all of this stuff. And you're just like, man, this is miserable. And you see this in your own life, that everything is wasting away. Everything is awful. Everything is bad around you. And he says, do not lose heart. All of the horrible that's happening, do not lose heart. Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, do not lose heart. He says, because by comparison, it is light and it is momentary. He says, you are going to suffer for 60, 80, 90 years on this earth, but then you are going to live in eternity for forever, for 10 million times 10 million years, where there is no longer in our vocabulary a word like death or sorrow or pain or anger. That, that's all gone forever. And he says, you're going to go through this light, momentary pain and by comparison, the weight of eternity that's to come is going to blow it away. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to detach your heart from the love of this world. God says, I'm going to put stuff in your life and put trials in your life, but every second of your suffering is producing in you a longing for eternity, a longing for Jesus, and a longing for victory. I can tell you that I have been in the hospital room with someone who is withering away 70 pounds, dying of cancer, and they sit there and I say, how are you? And they say, I, I just can't wait to get there. I'm done. I don't need anything else. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. There's nothing left in this life for me. And God says, through suffering, that's where I want you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put trials in your life so you say, you know what, God? I don't want any of this stuff. I just want you. Just come, Lord Jesus. I, I'm not in love with this world. I'm not in love with this life. I'm not looking for this life to bring me happiness and joy. I'm looking to you only because this world is going to bring me nothing that I want. God, I just want you. 
I want you to detach my heart from this world and I just want you. I want your victory, Jesus. I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to go. And God says, through trial, I'm going to detach your heart from this world and I'm going to attach it to where it belongs. I'm going to teach you to, to look away from this world and look to me. And then the third thing, the third thing that God does through, through our trials is that he shows us and everyone else his glory. In John chapter 11, I'm going to just kind of pick and choose here as I go through this. It's the story of Lazarus. And it goes like this. Um, Lazarus is a guy who is very close to Jesus. Jesus has eaten at his house. Jesus has, is friends with him. Jesus loves him. And he's got two sisters, Mary and Martha. And one of them is the, the lady that washed Jesus' feet with her own hair and tears and perfume. So that's these three siblings, right? And all of a sudden, Lazarus gets sick to the point of death. And they send word to Jesus where he is. And they say, the one whom you love, Jesus, is sick. The one whom you love. So they are acknowledging, Jesus, we are close to you. We love you. You love us. So we're telling you he's sick. And we're expecting you're going to do something because you love us. And Jesus' response to the messengers is, this sickness will not result in death, but it will be to the glory of Jesus. It will be to the glory of the Son of Man. Now, if you're a Christian, that should give you pause. Because what he's saying is this, I know he's sick, I'm allowing him to be sick, and I'm doing it to show my glory. That should scare you. That Jesus is acknowledging, I will let people I love suffer in order for my glory to be shown. That it has nothing to do with them. But it's about me showing my glory. And then if you want to get more, more upset, the Bible says in, in John 11 that he waits two more days before he does anything. They ask him to come and save him. And for two days, Jesus does nothing. Some of you are in that right now. Some of you are in a trial and you are like, God, I love you. I have followed you. I have served you. And I am praying that you would fix this, God. And you're doing nothing. You haven't done anything. And so you're like, Jesus, why would you do this? For two days, he's dying. And you're not going to help. And then what happens next is even more frustrating. The, the disciples are like, hey, we don't really want to go there because the last time we went there, everyone tried to kill us. Remember Jesus? That wasn't real fun. Let's not go. You know how you heal people from a distance? Why don't you do that thing again? And Jesus says, it's fine. We're going to go. And he's asleep and I'm going to wake him up. And they said, if he's just sleeping, like, who cares? He'll be better. And Jesus goes, no, you guys don't get it. He's dead. And they go, he's dead? They asked you to help and you let him die? We're still sitting here and you, you didn't go help, you let him die? And Jesus says some of the most incredible words and frustrating words you will ever hear. He says, I let it happen. I'm, I, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. He says this to the disciples. I'm glad I was not there so that you might believe. Jesus says, the lesson I'm going to teach all of you through this death 
is so much more important than actually saving him. That's terrifying. I mean, the man died. His sisters watched him die. His sisters, as everyone came from that direction, said, have you seen Jesus? Is he coming? We called him a while ago. We called him days ago, and he's not coming. Have you seen him? Is he coming? No. And then it says, four days after they buried him, he's been dead four days, Jesus shows up. And the sisters run out there one by one, and they say, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. How many of you have felt that before? Jesus, I called on you and you didn't fix it. I asked you to fix it. I asked you to be here. You'll heal other people. You'll do other things. I know you've done other things, but you didn't do it for me. Why would you do that? Jesus, we watched him die. He's dead. Jesus, everybody was asking us, I thought you were friends with Jesus. I thought you were friends. Aren't you a believer? How come he didn't help you? And Jesus says, okay, let's go. And he walks up to the tomb and he says, roll that stone away. And the people were like, hold on, Jesus. He's been in there four days. He stinks. That's literally what the Bible says. He stinks. You don't want to do that. He says, roll that stone away. And then Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man comes walking out alive. And we can look at the ending and we can celebrate and be like, oh, look, he fixed it. It's all better. Did he? Is it better? Because I don't know about you, but I have a problem with that. Like, hey, Jesus, okay, yeah, you, you healed him at the end, but, but are you telling me as a Christian that you set this whole thing up? You allowed him to be sick. You allowed him to die. You allowed all of them to suffer and watch their brother die. You allowed all these people to grieve and to mourn and you allowed all of them to go through all of that pain just so you could teach some lesson about your glory? You're willing to do that? Jesus says, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Jesus, you're willing to let people have hardship, your own people, let them have hardship in order to show them a greater lesson of who you are in your glory. Yeah, that's worth it to me. I mean, Jesus, let me, let me make this clear. You're willing to let me suffer so that you can teach other people a lesson about you and draw them to you. Like, Jesus, why can't you let them suffer and learn a lesson? Why would you let me suffer so that other people learn a lesson and find you? You would be willing to do that. Let me suffer for other people to just be a lesson to them. And Jesus says, yeah, I'll do that. And that's the reality here, guys. Jesus is willing to put trials in your life to strengthen your faith, to detach you from this world, and to show you his glory. And he promises to do it. And look, this is nothing new for God. This is nothing new. God allowed the greatest crime in history to happen to his own son. His perfect, innocent son, who had not sinned, who had not done anything on this earth, he allowed him to be beaten beyond recognition. People that knew him in the Bible said, I could not recognize his face because he was so beaten. 
He allowed him to be beaten and have his beard pulled out and be punched and kicked and spit on. He allowed people to take thorns and drive them into his skull. He allowed him to be beaten with a cattail of nines. That means that it was a leather strapped nine lashes and on the end of each one was rocks or hooks or something and they would hit his back and pull with it and they ripped the flesh off his body and then they put nails through his hands and his feet and he died gargling on his own blood. And you know why he did that? For you. To pay the price that you owe God. He had done nothing to God. And God said, I will leverage this for your glory. For yours. And, and as we sit there, we're like, Jesus, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how hard it is. Jesus goes, no, no, no. I had to persevere through Good Friday in order to get to Sunday. I know what it's like to go through the hard battles of life in order to get the glory that God promises. And so Jesus persevered through Friday to get to Sunday morning when he would rise from the dead and he would give us victory over all things so that on the last day he can say to us, look, I have prepared a place for you where there is no more pain, there is no more sorrow, where your debt has already been paid by me and that's my gift to you. Jesus says, I, I know what it's like to suffer unfairly. I know what it's like to face trials that you do not deserve because I have faced the biggest one for you. And God says, look, I'm gonna send trials your way, but it is going to strengthen your faith. It is going to detach your heart from this world and it is going to be to my glory. You are going to see how powerful I am, how amazing I am, and other people are going to see it too through your story. And so if you're here today and you feel like God is doing something to you and it's unfair or you look at your past and you say, God, that's so terrible what you've done to me. God wants you to learn something today that he has allowed it because he is doing something in you so that he can do something through you. And I want you to hear me on this biggest point as we close. There is not one second of your suffering that is meaningless. There is not one second of your suffering that is meaningless. God is going to use every tear, every moment, every pain to your glory and to his. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And Lord, if we're one of those people that, that we are suffering the consequences of our own sin and we're blaming you, Lord, help us to repent of our sin and turn away from it so that we do not face the consequences any longer. And Lord, if we're one of those people that by our own bad choices, we're reaping the reward that they deserve, Lord, we pray for wisdom to see our way out of this hardship. But for those of us, Lord, that are in true trials given by you, Lord, we pray we pray that you would give us strength. We know our will. We want you to take it away. We want you to fix it, but we don't know your will, God. God, help us just see you in the midst of our trials. God, send us a sign to let us know that you are here, that you are with us, that there is an end, that there is a purpose to it all. Help us not to give up hope. 
And Lord, forgive us for when we have cursed you. Forgive us for when we have walked away from you. Forgive us for when we have given up on you. It is in your gracious and loving name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Listen, God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his own son to die on a cross to pay the price that you owe him. And he let him suffer the most horrific and unjust and unfair death anyone on this earth has ever faced in order to set you free and give you salvation. And the good news that I get to give you today is this, that you are loved and you are cherished. You are bought at a price by the very blood of your own God that your own God came and died for you. You are forgiven and you are loved and you are cherished. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I said that I've faced some trials in my life, and I have. And I'm not a songwriter, but if I could write a song, I think it would sound something like this. I think this is a song that expresses the maturity of faith that I wish I had exhibited through my trials and that I hope to exhibit in my future trials. And so I've asked Aaron to play this, and this is a song that we sit and just more contemplate and follow along with. And so I invite you to do that as we welcome the kids back.